You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. Good morning. It's great to be back home. Whether you claim me or not, I claim you. So you're stuck with me. Great to be with you. I don't want to extend any kind of commercial, but I'm excited about your church doing Reach the City. Reason why is because God, is, uh, in the last few years, man, I tell you, it's, it's just great to be in a church that's healthy, that's growing, and that is primed. God has positioned your church for influence in your community. How many of you believe that? And so this process that you're going to be engaging in in the next uh, couple weeks uh, is just going to help further that. Let me just bring some clarification. Uh, sometimes many voices just help bring clarity. This one life-changing decision that you're going to make, I'll, I'll never forget where I was when God spoke to me and said, Mike, it only takes a small hinge to open a huge door. Now, how many of you believe that? All these doors have hinges on them. Guess what? The pearly gates in heaven probably will have hinges on them. And the Lord began to lay this concept on my heart called a hinge decision. You know what it is? It's a critical decision in a critical season of your life that can open up a door for you to experience John chapter 10 verse 10 to a greater level. How many of you believe in the verse that says, I have come that you might have life And to have life more abundantly, that is the life that wins. And so this book and this series is going to empower you to make a hinge decision. You say, well, what is that hinge decision going to be? Well, that's between you and the Lord. There are six different areas in the book that's recommended from your faith. Some of you might say, you know what? I need to start reading my Bible on a regular basis. Might be your fitness. Come on, somebody. Quit upsizing your McDonald's and just go with a regular size soft drink. It might be in your family that you make a decision between husband and a wife or with your children or something that you're going to do in your home that's different. It could be in something in regards to your future that you're saying, you know what, on my workplace, this is something that I want to do on my job. It could be something on the level of freedom where you're struggling with something that's of addictive nature that you need to make a hinge decision to surrender or to give up. Six different areas of a hinge decision. And guess what? There are six different principles that are highlighted in the book that Pastor Jason's going to be preaching on every single week to help undergird true life change. How many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution? You know where I'm going with this. Because by day 10, your New Year's resolution is to no longer make New Year's resolutions. And one reason why is because we have not been equipped on how to make a biblical life-changing decision. You say, well, what in the world does that have to do with outreach? It has everything to do. And here's why. The Great Commission, listen to me, is us growing and going. So I believe that as you see life change take place in your life, as God is making a difference on the inside of you, the natural byproduct of that is this. You will win in life and therefore begin to win others. That God will cultivate in you a testimony that becomes very easy for you to share and to give away to somebody else. Wasn't that the book of Acts? We can't help but to speak about what we've seen and heard. What God has done in me personally, I have to give away. The Great Commission is we grow and we go. We can try to talk you into it. 
Or we can put a process in place for you to grow personally and as a result to naturally want to give this Jesus away who is making a difference in your life. That's what the one decision is all about. The two discussions, very easy. How many of you have ever gotten scurred when it comes to sharing your faith? How many of you have ever tried to share and you just didn't? Or you tried to invite somebody and something comes out of your mouth and you go, why in the world did I say that? Okay, we made personal outreach much harder than what it really is. Here are the two discussions that you're going to be challenged with. One with your life and the other one with your lips. Everybody say life. life. Everybody say lips. That you will discuss Jesus with somebody else with your life. What is that all about? You intentionally having a relationship with somebody in your life that is unchurched that you spend time with and they get to see Jesus in your life. Luke chapter 5 talks about Matthew. How many of you remember the tax collector who comes to know the Lord? The very first thing he does, he invites all of his sinner, sinner friends to the house. Jesus shows up. He's accused while you're hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus says, hey, I've come not for the healthy, but for the sick. And in that moment, there's a Matthew party taking place. It's Jesus just spending time with those that needed him the most. So with your life, a Matthew party is you making a decision. I'm going to spend time intentionally with one unchurched person in my life. I'm not necessarily going to get up at Starbucks and open air preach to them. I'm just going to spend time with them. How many of you can do that? With your lips, here it is. Believe it or not, I'm not going to ask you to share Jesus, the full gospel with them. I'm just going to challenge you to invite them to church. To open up your mouth and invite them to church. How many of you can do that? But wait, there's more. Because you're going to be a part of a point group. We call it challenge group. You're calling them point groups here. You're going to be engaged in a personal outreach series that's video-based, professionally done. And in that series, the, um, the speaker, me, is going to teach you how to share your faith. In fact, session three is entitled The Gospel on a Napkin. I'm going to teach you how to share the entire Christian faith on a napkin. It's a lot easier done than what we've made it out to be. So some of you go, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to spend time with them. I can do that. I can take them to Starbucks, get coffee. I'm addicted to it anyway. It's perfect to bring somebody along. Invite them to church. You go, yeah, I can invite them to church to hear Joe Jackson, a purple people eater, whoever he is. I can do that. But for some of you, you're going to take the challenge one step further. You're going to sit through those small groups. God is going to equip you on how to share your faith. And guess what? You're going to share Jesus with that one unchurched person over the next 40 days. You can do that. How many of you understand this? It's my job too. It's not just you. It's not me as a preacher. My boys play baseball. I was sharing this story in the early service. Jake, my oldest, was pitching. This dad comes up to me and starts spilling his guts. He and I served in the concession stand the week before because that's part of our obligation as a parent. So we're getting to know each other. He comes up to me. Jake is pitching. He is striking everybody out. All I want to do is watch my boy pitch. And this man is pouring his heart out. 
Starts opening up his story about his son. He's battling with, with his son, issues being take, taking place. And, and Jake is pitching, and all of a sudden I realize, wait a minute, this is the Holy Spirit giving me the opportunity to minister to this man. And so I turn my attention away, and I don't get to see my boys play a whole lot. It's, it was a sacrifice for me to turn and to begin to share a little bit about Jesus. Turns out that he was Catholic. I grew up semi-Catholic. I could relate to some of the uh, things that he was uh, saying. Don't really understand this God being personal. A lot of kneeling, a lot of sitting, a lot of sacraments, a lot of the formality. And I was just able to say, listen, I, I kind of grew up in that world. And, and I was able to share my testimony at 17. I gave my heart to Jesus and understood that God sent his son to die for me personally, that I might know him personally. And, and just began to just very naturally share the faith. The whole time, I'm thinking, this guy knows me as a preacher. He knows I'm a preacher. He did not. I got a, got a cell phone number because you got to follow up with those that you're trying to reach out to. So I got a cell phone number. I texted him. I said, enjoy chatting tonight. We'll keep your son and you guys in prayer. Let's grab a lunch sometime. Let's have a Matthew party. I enjoyed it as well. Where do you work? I can't lie. <laughs> So I just put it out there. I'm a minister, actually. I travel and speak to youth. To which he says, oh, did not know that. (laughs) To which I say, yep, don't be scared off. I'm cool like that. To which he says, are you sure? (laughs) To which I say, pretty sure. He says, just playing. That was one night. The next morning. Good morning, Mr. Holt. Guess he felt led to put Mr. in there since I'm a minister. I said, good morning to you. He says, starting to feel a weight lift off of me. Awesome. What caused the weight to start coming off? Then he says, and I love this, letting go of some of the Catholic guilt. And opening myself to other options for me and my family to get closer to God. That's great, I said. Next week is spring break and we will be gone. Let's do lunch the week after. Definitely, he says. Every day, God is wanting to give us opportunity to share. This two discussions, this small group, these point groups is a catalyst for you to say, you know what? I want to know and learn how to be used by God to help lead somebody out of darkness and into light. You need to sign up for a point group. Three days of outreach. The Friday night, it's a Matthew party. You're kind of doing a corporate Matthew party, showing this movie, uh, what is it, Home Run? Asking these individuals in your life to come and to watch the movie and just hang out at church. Day two, Purple People Eater is going to be sharing... You're going to be bringing your friend to hear, sorry, <laughs> to be hearing the purple people either share his testimony. It's going to be a great opportunity, especially for you men, to bring a man to hear the gospel and hear the story. And then on Sunday is Friends and Family Day. Three back-to-back days. You know what it is? It's you taking a missions trip to your own city. 
And all we're asking for is three days. And that Sunday morning, you're going to come to church, but guess what? You're going to invite your friend that you've been reaching out to throughout the campaign to come that Sunday morning. Now listen to me. If they want to come during week two, please let them come. But on that Sunday morning, that is going to be the service for you to bring an unchurched uh, friend to. And Joe Jackson is going to be sharing the gospel. Is that clear to everybody? Here's the deal. First shipment of books have already sold out. There's 28 of these left. We're going to ship more to you this week so that you have them for next week. But I need to know right now, how many of you intend to buy a book and go through the process either this week or next week to pick, pick up a book? Raise your hand right now. Okay, Jess, I need you to look around, okay? You probably need to ship another 50 to 75 books after today. 28 of these left today. They're 10 bucks. It's basically at our cost. Pick them up on the table. Start getting yourself familiar with the process. And this reach people. Amen. Thanks for allowing me to take the time to share that. Not that you had a choice. But. Don't you love your pastor? They didn't have to do that. They clapped for you. Don't you love his wife? I mean, really. I mean, she's one. Always a much louder clap for the wife. <laughs> Your youth pastor's not bad either. That's called a courtesy clap. <laughs> First two genuine, third. Oh, goodness. Okay. Numbers chapter 27. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of turning the page. You've been in a series called This Is My Story. How many of you have a story? Turning the page. Numbers chapter 27 is a story about a much larger story. It's kind of the season in Numbers chapter 27 where for the first time the page begins to turn from Moses to Joshua. How many of you remember the story of Moses that he was a leader who led everybody out of Egypt? A journey begins to unfold on the way to the promised land. Somewhere along the line, it didn't go exactly as planned because the people fell into unbelief and doubt. Hey, how many of you believe that there are certain seasons of your life, that they are wilderness seasons, and they are planned and orchestrated by God. Raise your hand. But how many of you also understand, it's not God's will for you to stay there forever. And in a spirit of unbelief and doubt, listen to me, what originally was to take 11 days took 40 years. You can extend your season in the wilderness through unbelief and doubt. And that is what has taken place. Not only that, but what happened was (laughs) Moses missed out too. Moses, if you understand his story, he had a little bit of an anger issue. How many of you have ever battled with anger? So at one point, he was allowed to strike a rock and water came out. 
But you turn the page in another season, God says to speak to the rock. Don't you remember Moses was the one who was insecure about his voice? Maybe had a speech impediment. Maybe was the one, well, I don't know if I can go speak to Pharaoh. And that's how Aaron came into the picture. And you turn to another season. And now God says that you need to speak to the rock. In other words, this will preach, by the way. In other words, I'm expecting you to grow as you get closer to your promised land. And Moses reverted back to the old man. Have you ever done that before? And he strikes the rock again when he was supposed to speak to it. And because of that, God said, you're not allowed to enter in to the promised land. Now, when I was first a Christian, that seemed very unfair to me. But really, when you understand what was happening, listen to me. Moses had an unfinished issue in his life. How many of you understand this? Listen to me. If you don't allow God to finish your unfinished business, your unfinished business will finish you. And what is happening is that in that season, Moses did not allow God to finish what he had started. Didn't allow another page to turn. But there is something else happening. Aren't you glad that as New Testament Christians, we're able to look back And sometimes when we look back on the story, we say, oh, Moses, how could you? That's just because we have the opportunity to look backwards. You know, the witnesses of heaven right now could be overlooking our life and saying, how could you? If you only knew the sovereignty and the goodness of God, maybe you would not revert back to some of your old ways either. We have the opportunity of looking back. We have the opportunity to be a New Testament Christian. And we understand, listen to me, that for the New Testament Christian, we understand that Moses represents more than just a man that missed it. Moses represents the law of God and the attempt and the effort of man to inherit the promised land, which is impossible. How many of you believe that? As a New Testament Christian. But Joshua represents Jesus. And whereas Moses represented what man could not do in and of himself, Joshua represents Jesus who did it for us. I used to look at the life of Moses and go, this was so unfair, God. You did not allow him to see the promised land after all he had been through with these stubborn, stiff-necked, unbelieving people. Until you come to the Mount of Transfiguration and listen to me. How many of you remember the story? Disciples go up. Who comes down in that place? Moses is one of them. And if you study the history of the land out, you discover that Moses is actually now stepping on the promised land. Aren't you grateful? Listen to me. That Jesus gets you where Moses cannot. And in the unfolding of time, in that season, Moses was able to see in Jesus what had been promised. Now that'll preach. It did. Aren't you grateful? For a Jesus who is the author and the perfecter of your story. And that in him the page can turn. And that in him he is the beginning and the end. The first and the last. He was there. Listen to me. Do you understand that the story of Jesus started long before yours did? 
Long before the problem of sin, Jesus was the lamb slain before the creation of the world. Long before Adam and Eve ever ate of the fruit that they were not supposed to eat of, Jesus had a, a solution. Well, God had a solution to sin long before Adam and Eve ever fell. And now, as a Christian, listen to me, we have the opportunity to just join God in the story that he's already writing in our life. Man, aren't you grateful for a God like that? And in Numbers chapter 27, for the life of Joshua, this is the season where the page is starting to turn. This is where the mantle is is beginning to be passed on to a man named Joshua. Listen to a couple key lines in it. How many of you understand what Revelation is? I'm not talking about the book of Revelation that it's hard to understand sometimes. Revelation, listen to me, is when you are reading the scripture and something jumps off the page into your spirit and you have an aha moment with God and you say, oh God, that's good. Now, how many of you understand Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3? Paul prays for them and says, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be upon you, that you might know and discern him in a greater and more deeper way, that the spirit of the Lord be upon us to see things we've never seen before. And in verse 15, listen, Moses said to the Lord, may the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this, this community. To go out to come in before them. Moses understanding that the mantle is being passed from him to somebody else. And this is his desire. May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and to come in before them. One who will lead them out and bring them in so the Lord's people would not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership or in whom is a spirit, and lay your hand on him. From the life of Joshua, let me encourage you with three things about the page being turned in your life. How many of you are in a season right now where you say, man, I could use a page to turn? Three things from the life of Joshua. Number one, God sees in you what you do not see in yourself. It'd be very easy for me to start preaching on Joshua and go straight to the walls of Jericho because that's how we know Joshua, right? In the battle, in the march, in Jericho, and shout, and they fall down. But long before, listen to me, the walls fell, Moses, early on in Joshua's life, Moses looked at Joshua and said, the Amalekites are coming against the Israelites, and I want you to be the one to go out and to fight them. Early on in Joshua's life, Moses, who is older, looked at Joshua and said, I see something in you that you may not see in yourself. I want you to be the one to go and to defeat God's enemy. And in a very early season of his life, listen to me, somebody looked at him and said, I see in you what you don't see in yourself. Aren't you grateful for a God who does that as well? Aren't you glad? Listen to me. It's one reason why we need the spiritual gifts activated in the church again. Because in the midst of words of wisdom and prophecy and discernment and gifts of knowledge, listen to me. Somewhere in the midst of the spiritual gifts, there is gold that is being mined. Listen, in the hearts of believers and in churches where all of a sudden you see one thing, but God says, you might see this, but I see that. Matthew chapter 16, the same thing happens with Peter. 
who does everybody say that I am? And Peter's like, ooh, I got this one. Pick me, pick me, pick me. You're the son of the living God. And all of a sudden, Jesus looks at Peter and says, you're right. And because you got it right about me and you declared who I am, I'm about to declare who you are. Did you hear that? You declared who I am, but listen, I'm going to declare who you are. You've been known as Simon, but now I'm going to change your name to Peter. You've been known as being small, but the name Peter now means large rock. And guess what, Peter? The gates of hell will not prevail against you. Did I mention to you that Jesus spoke this over Peter? Listen, before Peter messed up big time. Jesus spoke this over Peter knowing that Peter was going to deny him. Knowing that Peter always put his foot in his mouth. Knowing that Peter was going to cut the ear off the soldier. Oh, come on, Peter. And Jesus, with a prophetic eye, looks at Peter and says, in the midst of all of your story that is about to unfold, that I understand all the twists and turns and the ups and the downs, I'm saying over your life, you see yourself as this, but I see you as one that the gates of hell will not prevail. We have got to hear the voice of God again over our life. Because we all battle a mirror. Oh, yes, we do. We all battle the mirror. Let me tell you something. In seasons of life where you need the page to turn, if you're not careful, listen, there is a season of some deep soul searching where you are forced to look into a mirror. Anytime that you are being challenged to grow as a church, to go to the next level, to step up and to be the created you, something happens. It's like God pulls out a mirror and causes you to look at the real you. Have you ever been in that season before? And it ain't comfortable. Because we see things that we did not realize were there. We thought we got rid of the anger, but guess what? There's still a seed in us. We thought that we overcame that, but in this season of, 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 of trial, in this season of refining, all of a sudden we see at another level something that just needs a little bit of work. And it doesn't feel very good all the time, does it? And listen to me, though. The devil, knowing an opportune time in that season, will begin to come to you and lie about what you see. God shows you things in his grace, whereas the enemy shows you things in condemnation and despair. And when you're not careful, listen, when you're seeing things, the enemy of your soul will whisper into your ear and say things like this. Oh, you've been battling that a long time, haven't you? Why don't you just go ahead and give up? The work that God's been doing in you, it's not true, it's not genuine, it's not going to last. Look! In other seasons... The mirror will literally speak to you where when you look in the mirror, it's not just a physical body that you see. It's somebody who has failed. And when you look into the mirror, all you see is the guilt of falling away. You see the guilt of your mistake. 
And you look in the mirror and say, I'm guilty. Yet God comes to you and says, you might have fallen, but my grace is sufficient for you. And my mercy is new every morning. And those things that I have forgiven, I have forgotten about and cast into the heart of the sea. Listen to me. You've got to look in the mirror and not just see yourself, but you've got to see the Jesus that's living and dwelling on the inside of you. You look in the mirror and all you see is the wilderness and God says, you see the wilderness, but I see the promised land. You see the in-between, but I see the other side. You see everything that you're not and God says, but I see everything that you are in me. All you see is where you've come from. And God says, I know where you've come from, but I see where you're going. I'm asking you this morning to look in the mirror and not just see yourself as apart from Christ, but see yourself as in Christ. Are you with me? The movie God's Not Dead is not just a movie. It is a living reality in our lives. The same spirit that resurrected Christ is living and dwelling on the inside of me. And guess what? It has changed the identity of what I see in the mirror the tomb is not empty any longer he lives and dwells and gives me an identity that belongs to him and him alone you need sunglasses don't you you remember this story won't you I get you all the way in the back come here girls how do you overcome the mirror that speaks back to you. A couple of pretty girls. I'm going to carry the mirror. <laughs> Two young ladies that have battled an eating disorder. Look in the mirror say, I'm ugly. Look into the mirror and say, I'm not pretty enough. Look into the mirror and say, I'm not skinny enough. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what your battle is. But how many of you understand a very real mirror that can speak back to you? What do you do when the mirror speaks?
You know, it's a real simple skit, but here's the punchline. When the mirror speaks, you speak back. When the mirror speaks, you speak as what God says that you are and who you are in him. When God begins to speak, listen to me, it begins to shape in you a voice that even Jesus heard as he came out of the water when God the Father said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I don't speak about and out of my struggle. I speak out of the identity that I have in Christ. And when the mirror speaks, some of us need to learn how to resist the devil and begin to speak back with the authority that we have in Jesus Christ. He sees in you what you do not see in yourself. And it's time that believers, listen to me, take a stance in understanding who We are in Christ. If you want the page to turn, understand this. Number two, God has prepared you through his presence. Exodus chapter 33, long before Joshua saw the walls of Jericho fall, there was a habit established in his life, and that is this. When Moses would spend time with God in the tent, the Bible says that Joshua would spend time outside the tent in the presence of God, lingering in his presence. People that see, listen to me, pages turn in their life are people who are familiar with the presence of the Lord. Those that know how to linger, those who know how to stay put, those who understand that it's not just about a self-help book. It is about the very presence of the Lord in our life. How many of you believe that if you abide in Christ, you will will bear much fruit? Raise your hand. How many of you believe that if you abide in Christ, that you will rest in the shadow of the Almighty? And how many of you understand that when you abide in His presence, there is a confidence in the book of Hebrews says that we do not belong to the kingdom of God that shrinks back and is destroyed but believes God and is saved that those who spend time with him listen to me they grow in a spiritual confidence that begins with the very presence of God it was Joshua who saw the cloud that would lift and how many of you remember the story that they would set out following the cloud by day the pillar of fire by night how many of you believe in his presence there is direction for our life When I came to reach the city five years ago, God spoke this dream to me. Went preaching in in Louisville, Kentucky. was in a hotel room. And God said, pause. And I said, what? Pause. How many of you do not like to hear that word from God? God, this is an awesome idea. People are going to get saved. Communities can be transformed. This cannot be you. And I promise you the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Pause. That's tough, isn't it? Listen to me. God can even put good things on pause in our life. Tried. I tried and just didn't feel a peace. How many of you believe in the restraint and release of the Holy Spirit? That as people of his presence, you begin to discern when God says go, when God says stop, when God says slow down, and even when God says pause. We put it on pause, put it on shelf. Beginning of last year, I was preaching a revival, and my, my phone goes off. Somebody sent me a text message, and I have to look at it. I'm about to preach. Don't judge me. You do the same thing. <laughs> You've already been on Facebook, and you haven't been quoting me at all. Pull it out. It was a businessman who had been supporting our ministry. He said, Mike, God's blessed our business. We're looking for entrepreneurs to invest into. I'm like... Huh. Text him back. 
Mike, you, you got to go preach. I got to finish this text. Hold on. Does that include ministry related things? Absolutely. Holy Spirit released me at that moment to begin to develop, reach the city again. Put together a business plan, listen to me, presented it to this company. And they're the ones who have financially undergirded the initial investment to do everything that we've done, which in my opinion is at a top-notch professional level so that we can equip not just churches in Georgia, but across America to reach their cities and their communities. The tagline for Reach the City is every church, every size, and every city. And the desire has been that we provide a resource that every church can afford to empower them to reach their communities. And that would have never happened not just without a text message, but without me being willing to listen to the restraint and release of the Holy Spirit. Don't underestimate the direction of the Lord in your life. I would rather it take time and be God than be in my timing and be me. There's the last one. Worship team, come back. You come back, I start shutting up. Come on. Number three, need a page to turn, realize God has been seasoning you for a greater season. Joshua had been through the ups and downs, the back and forths, the twists and turns of the Israelite history. He had been a part of the good, the bad, and the ugly. How many of you in your life would say, I've had some good, some bad, and some ugly? I've gone through some seasons. Joshua had been through them all. And in the middle of that history, listen, Joshua endures a name change. In fact, it was in the season when Moses sent out the first spies. How many of you remember the story? Sends out the first spies. Numbers chapter 13. Moses looks at Joshua, whose name at that point was Hosea. And says, Joshua. And Hosea is like, well, I'm I'm Hosea. Joshua, but I'm Hosea, Joshua, and he changes his name, listen to me, before he goes out to spy out the land, begs the question, what do the two names mean? Hosea, salvation, Joshua, God is salvation, doesn't sound very different. Until you understand it in the Hebrew, and it's basically this. That the name Joshua means trust in salvation, but it carries with it more of a personal factor. In other words, Moses was saying, Hosea, I see in you somebody who just doesn't believe God corporately, but believes God personally. I see in you a man who personally trusts the Lord. Therefore, your name is Joshua, and it carries with it a very personal, real, heartfelt trust. You know what? You know what God does? Listen, in the middle of the season, he upgrades Joshua's name. It's not that he was taking something bad into something good. It wasn't a Jacob to Israel kind of transformation. It was simply. Joshua, who you already are, I'm going to take you up to even another level. And it involves a personal trust. How many of you believe in a God who takes you up to another level? 
that there are some things that God changes in our life from darkness to light. But listen, God also wants to build on your strengths. Wants to build on the strengths of your church. And there are certain seasons where God downloads an upgrade of our name. It says, okay, Faith Assembly, it's time yet for another level. Somebody needs to hear this word. Listen to me. The seasons of your life are going to be worth it. Seasons that you have walked through are going to be worth it. That you will look back on your history and listen to me. You will see his story in the midst of your history. You will look back and say, God, I look back now and I see that you are there when I didn't realize you were there. And I see that your right hand held me up and sustained me even when I thought I was at the end of my rope. God, I look back and I see and I agree with the psalmist that says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. I have grown into a season of personal heartfelt trust. My name has changed. I have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, not just corporately, but personally. Bow your heads just for a moment. Right now, who in the crowd needs to hear this word? It's going to be worth it. If that's you, raise your hand right now. What you're walking through, it's going to be worth it. It's going to lead somewhere. Hands are going up all over the place. If you're here, listen to me. I'm going to pause just for a moment because there's somebody here that needs to give their life to Jesus. You need to start a new beginning with him. Apart from Christ, you can do no good thing. That's what the Bible says. The wages of our sin is death, being spiritually separated from God. If we remain like that on this earth, when we go to heaven, we will remain separated from Him in a place called hell. It's a very real reality. But God demonstrates His love for me in this while I was still a sinner. Do you hear me? While the story of my sinful life was unfolding, Christ Jesus died for me and laid a cross upon this universe that if I put my faith and trust in Him, Joshua Jesus, who did for me what I could never do for myself, the Bible says I cross over from spiritual death to spiritual life. And now I belong to Him. I'm His child. That's when God begins to speak things over our life, things that He sees in us that we've never seen ourselves. God begins to speak the created us to us. The what an adventure it is to serve Jesus. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, stop playing games. If you're here and you're backslidden, it's time for you to come back and allow Jesus to have the pen of your life to author a great story. If you're backslidden, it's time for you to come back to the Lord. Don't go into this week of Easter separated from Him. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.